That's a one-way ticket to uh, Guantanamo, apparently. <laughs> Man, I swear to God, if I end up in a fucking labor camp or end up in some sort of, like, terrorist camp because of Rand fucking Paul... God, wouldn't that be something? Then I really cursed the day I decided not to fucking hide up in the hills in Perk Creek and throw rocks at his ass when he campaigned at Pine Mountain Grill. Truly. It is funny. Well, it's never too late to hide in Perk Creek. It is pretty funny. This is the most unoriginal point in political commentary history, but it is really hilariously ironic that the guy who made his career off of, like, the tree of liberty must be watered with the blood of tyrants is now leading the charge against Antifa. And infringing on people's liberties and everything else. Everything that you campaign now. And it's all because his dumbass had to walk through a crowd of people, right? Yeah, because he got swarmed. Like, God forbid. <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> the Anyone biggest bitches in the world. No. Come within a fucking you, foot of them. No, yeah, if, if you... You really can't get any better evidence than that, that, like, this whole libertarian, liberty, anti-government bullshit is really just a form of bourgeois ideology cloaked in rebellion. But it is, honestly, the most... And actually... Rand Paul's own father, Ron Paul, is the best example of this, but it is quite literally the direct descendant of Confederate ideology, because Confederate yeah, ideology totally. is simultaneously aristocratic bourgeois and uh, libertarian anti-government rebellion or whatever. And you know, and Ron Paul famously yeah. got caught writing all that pro-Confederate shit like in the nineties. <laughs> Yeah, John Birch Society. Like, he, he prophesied the coming race war, and these fucking assholes have been, like, willing it into being with their rhetoric for decades now. <laughs> Lordy mercy. Well, yeah, um, I heard, literally, I was driving into Terrence's driveway yesterday, and the news, the, just like the, you know, very quick news bite that I heard was so dystopic. It was so terrible. The first one was... Uh, clips from Portland's mayor talking about uh, how Trump started all this division, the most divisive character in human history. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I like Just that tweet. Like everything the, on him. The first by mayor is now sending deputized troops into Portland to clean up the streets. <laughs> let's hear it. Let's hear it for that. Woo! They're deputized. They're, they're wearing rainbow cloaks. Yeah. Running in. Uh, but yeah, Trump yeah, he's, I guess, just pissed at Trump or whatever, and, uh, of course, um, and, like, you started this. I can't get this under control. You started this shit. You're a maniac. Well. <laughs> and it's, like, it's so, oh. I'm sorry to cut you off, Tanya, um, but this is related okay. to it. Um, did you guys see that earlier this week, so we're recording this on September 3rd, Thursday, Trump signed a memo today to restrict federal money from going to, quote, anarchist jurisdictions. The memo cites Seattle, <laughs> Portland, New York City, and D.C. Per the memo, below is... What? Yeah, listen to this. Listen to how the Department of Justice defines an anarchist jurisdiction. <laughs> um, the Department of Justice. Oh, my God. 
Yeah. In, in identifying anarchist jurisdictions, the Attorney General, in consultation with the Secretary of Homeland Security and the Director of OMB, shall consider as appropriate whether these are the these are the classifications of <laughs> how you could classify or qualify an anarchist jurisdiction. One, whether a jurisdiction forbids the police force from intervening to restore order amid widespread or sustained violence or destruction. <laughs> Um, so basically, if the mayor steps, if there's riots and protests, and the mayor steps in and says, "No, we're just gonna let him burn everything down," and just ties the cops' hands, as as has happened millions of times, obviously, that definitely happens every yeah, single I'm like, day. Wait. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Um, two, whether a jurisdiction has withdrawn law enforcement protection from a geographical area or structure that law enforcement officers are lawfully entitled to access, but have been officially prevented from accessing or permitted to access only in exceptional circumstances, except when law enforcement officers are briefly withheld as a tactical decision intended to resolve safety and expeditiously a specific and ongoing unlawful incident posing an imminent threat to the safety of individuals or law enforcement officers... Um, what in the fuck? Wait, so they are literally just trying to threaten against defunding the police. Yeah. Ch- check Name it out. Name one place where cops are not allowed to go in this fucking country. <laughs> exactly. Truly. <laughs> <laughs> there is nowhere. Um, number three. It's all, these, it's all these. I mean, these are the people that yell straw man, straw man, straw man, and all they make are straw man. <laughs> exactly. Um, number three. Whether a jurisdiction disempowers or defunds police departments, then you don't get federal money. Mm. So there, there you go. Saying the quiet part Zero loud. Zero federal dollars. Um, wow. Was this an executive order? What is this? It was a memo released by Trump yesterday, Wednesday the 2nd. Um, he signed a memo today. It's prob- so I guess um, uh Executive order. Number four, whether a jurisdiction unreasonably refuses to accept offers of law enforcement assistance from the federal government. So if Trump wants to send the National Guard in and the mayor says no, well, you're fucked. Um, No more federal funding. And five, any other related factors the attorney general deems appropriate. So essentially what we've got here is if you're not allowing the cops to go anywhere and everywhere they choose then fuck you. And furthermore, it is basically just codifying the idea that cops are allowed to just be, go and be anywhere they want to go. That nowhere nowhere is off limits for the cops, essentially. And it's it's creating them again as some, like, marginalized group. It's like reinforcing the Blue Lives Matter shit as in, like, we're having to take extra measures to protect the police, which is uh, f- completely fucking absurd. Yeah, I saw that more police officers have died from COVID nineteen than uh, like gunshots <laughs> in the last two years. Jesus or Christ! Or uh, this year so far. Um, yeah, per the memo, DOJ will publish public list of anarchist jurisdictions in fourteen days. So you can go down to your town square <gasps> and they'll nail a list of anarchist jurisdictions. <laughs> to- <laughs> the died, the anarchist version of the died of worms. Yes. <laughs> I hope they declare May King, Kentucky. <laughs> Most I'll of tell you what, they, where they don't, don't want to go doing that shit is Pistol City. Yeah. yeah. 
Most of Eastern That's Kentucky. That's the only place that the cops aren't really allowed. Yeah, most of Eastern Kentucky will be an anarchist jurisdiction because there's no law at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are no cops. Where are they? <laughs> but they won't. They won't like declare it one though, because like you know, apparently we vote for Trump or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but technically, we would fit the bill for a lot of this because it is pretty lawless. I did yesterday. Um, you know, there aren't any, there aren't any Trump signs um, on my creek and up my road, but uh, I, I got rerouted over a crossover. I had to drive over the mountain and take another creek out yesterday because that truck fell or that tree fell, <clears throat> and I saw a huge banner that said that had a big train on it and said "All aboard the Trump train." <laughs> And I know the bitch that lives there. She's a fucking surgical technician at the fucking hospital. These are healthcare workers. It's so, so fucking bizarre. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of that, you almost died yesterday, yeah, Tanya? Yeah, it felt like some Final Destination shit. Like, I came around a corner, and I had Louie in the car with me. And then I see this guy that I know waving me down. And I thought maybe he had wrecked or something. And so I stopped. And then as soon as I got around the corner where he was, I saw the tree. And he was like, this tree just fell. And I was like, just now? He said, oh, yeah, just now. And I was like, fuck. Like, I was the first car there. He lives there. And he, of course, he went on this long rant. He was like, I've been calling the power company for three weeks. I knew that tree was going to fucking fall. And they wouldn't come out here. They said, we don't cut trees. We have such a fucking, I mean, y'all know my, the power issues that we've had up here this year alone. And it's just, I mean, that me and him talked about it yesterday. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, we've been out of power so many times. He said, it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> just infrastructure is so bad. And there's just no even, like foresight about i mean people literally are calling and saying hey this is gonna fall and take out the power line like it's not like people are ignoring the problems around and the company's just like oh we don't cut trees well obviously you fucking do you contract someone to cut trees you stupid (laughs) bastards like what are you talking about get fucking ass plunder whoever the fuck on the phone and make them cut it down (laughs) he's like my nephew works for a splunda and they need to get the fuck up here (laughs) he said and he was like quoting how many um how many rate hikes they've received in the past three years he was like they got a 23 percent rate rate hike 18 months ago (laughs) which they said was to cut trees it's like people know how they're being fucked you know what i mean this isn't yeah ugh. but yeah it was um it was really scary and then i thought about the rest of the day of how i was like narrowly escaped death and it's very i felt very tom it felt like a very tom sexton thing to be thinking the hell i just narrow <laughs> narrowly escaped death i had a similar situation earlier in the year remember we were on car creek where the fucking yep. rock slide happened just before i got there yeah yeah, if you so hit hellhounds I mean, on our trail, Tanya. <laughs> truly, they really are like like they just don't care about people. I don't really. There's no other way to look at it. It's like the corporations that are supposedly to service us, they're monopolies, and they don't give a fuck about us. And they couldn't care less that someone could have died under that tree. No, definitely not. <laughs> no, no. You would have no been interest. if you had died under that tree. You would have been a footnote to a footnote. In, like, the local newspaper, and they would have published your arrest record. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. I, I, could, I would love to have seen the Mountain Eagle headline if I died under that tree. Radical Antifa podcast, bitch. 
dies after, and then they would find. I'm sure uh, there's this one picture of me on Facebook that I should probably just go delete or whatever, untag myself. That I just know would be the one that they would find. It's from like five years ago, but it's all, I was on tour with Globsters, and it was like a promo picture of me with a knife to his throat, and I just know that that's the picture the paper would print if I died. She was no angel. She, yeah. <laughs> Of me with a knife to a guy's throat. And then That's the, the then the, then the power company guy would say, "Well, that was one for the safety video." And then they'd just move on. <laughs> or they would they would they would like print some picture of my tits out and be like, "She uh, she dabbled in witchcraft and pornography." <laughs> yeah, she failed porn star dies. Oh shit! Well, no, it's if you wouldn't have stopped by my house and just gone straight home. No, it was before. It was on the way oh. out. Well, but it's that like, happened uh, to me up. Maybe Louis saved. That happened to me up the same holler when we went up to your house for Fourth of July. We missed the tree falling. That holler's dangerous. Oh, yeah. it's coming in and out of that fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, according to my neighbor, he says it's all those pine trees because they're so weak. Blah blah blah. And like, I mean, it don't take. You don't need an advanced degree, as Tom would say, to know which trees need to be look dead and are hanging over the road and need to be trimmed this ain't rocket science like yeah. <laughs> any, and they just don't give a fuck i don't know i mean our counties have no money and he was even standing there like when i when i got there he hadn't called anyone no one knew this had happened i was like well who should we call and he said well this is a state road i said the county wouldn't be responsible he said no it's state until you get up to the church and then it's county. that doesn't fucking matter all them motherfuckers use those distinctions for us to pass the buck to one another to see who'll do it first <laughs> exactly that shit and does I not said, matter they can't nobody's gonna call them down for going 15 yards past their jurisdiction cutting a fucking tree now i know that's what i said i said well the it's it was three o'clock i said well if i were you i'd call the the courthouse right now because they're not closed yet he's like i'm trying to he had his phone in his hand he said i'm supposed to be at work right now i'm supposed to be going to work and i can't he's like i don't know who to call i was like damn sorry man gotta go to the i mean in a way it's like man okay yeah i get it it's it's like that's like the like one of the handful of public services that like like the cops love to go past their jurisdiction everybody else doesn't yeah exactly (laughs) yeah (laughs) totally well they had it cleaned up in about an hour, though. I don't know who ended up coming up. But. It, it's kind of weird we were talking about the Adjustment Bureau last week, and then that happened. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Like the one little thing? The, the wildest example of that is that Eddie George was a running back for Ohio State, and his mom was a airplane uh, flight attendant, and she was supposed to be on the Lockerbie bombing. And she called in because of his Heisman Trophy presentation that she wanted to go to. Now think about that shit. Think about everything that had to happen. Not only did he have to be the best player in college football that year, he had to have, like, followed that exact trajectory to save her from dying in that bombing. Right. Scary to think about the road not taking. Yeah, do you think this podcast Ew. would exist if I hadn't had a mental breakdown in 2012 and moved to Eastern Kentucky? Do you think that you guys would have started your own podcast with somebody else? Just uh... <laughs> probably about like the joy of painting or something. Can't say. <laughs> yeah. Time to just lead a painting class and me talk about how much everything looks like tits. Well, me painting tits, so yeah. Uh, well, 
Maybe we could have had a titty podcast. Who knows? If you wanted, if you want any federal funds to fix the trees in your holler, you better not live <laughs> in an anarchist jurisdiction, my friend. <clears throat> you better return your Antifa card right now. Yeah. Put it in the mail. Send it back to headquarters, where it will be promptly shredded. <laughs> it, you know, it really isn't a one to one, but like. It is. Seems like they are whipping up that public fervor against Antifa in the same way they did, like internationally against Al Qaeda. Like something that just like sort of exists, but not really. You know what I mean? You want to really as go to like. You want to really scare yourself. You want to really scare yourself. I remember in the late two thousands, early twenty tens, they were entrapping young Muslims in this country for sharing. Al Qaeda videos and I mean just just simply passing media around they were calling that terrorism and prosecuting it as such and that's what really freaks uh, me even out. if you just sent it to your uncle and said isn't this shit wild yeah, like you they've set the precedent like and this Obama went along with it you know uh, they set the precedents over the last 15 years they've laid the groundwork to essentially turn yeah Antifa and the left wing into the next threat to national security. Um, and the only thing that keeps them really from scattering it, from completely um, bringing the whole thing down, is that they're pretty incompetent. Um, but I, I would... <laughs> Thankfully. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I would not doubt it if, um, if you start seeing stuff like that in the next five years. If, if simply sharing a podcast or some other form of media... With another person that has, uh, that is Antifa adjacent or whatever, could land you in prison. Um, because you're right, they've they've turned it into the next existential threat. It was first, it was communism, then it was terrorism, and now it's Antifa. Now it's podcasts. Yeah. Now it's podcasts. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> well, I tell you what's wild is that I mean I guess they do this all the time, just totally contradict, just full of contradictions. But it's like in the same breath they're trying to, um, you know, weaponize and and um, turn like of the far left, whatever faction, um, into this like <clears throat> terror, whatever boogeyman. Yeah. Yeah, but they're also trying to convince in this elect in this election cycle that that's the whole democratic party like um did y'all see mitch mcconnell spoke in kentucky this week at a um farm bureau dinner uh-huh. for candidates and amy amy uh, mcgrath that's what amy, amy mcgrath didn't show up she was invited it was supposed to be like a candidate thing the first time they were going to be together and she didn't let go. me go ahead and tell y'all something let me just interject real quick amy mcgrath has done her duty she's raised the money and now she's just she like she's no reason. she's doing what she came to do. He was in Frankfurt or somewhere at this uh, farm bureau thing, and she was in Paducah. They the, the news cut. To, I only know this because I was at my sister's house and she had the news on, and it was just it's so wild watching Louisville news because it's all the Louisville news set, like cycle really is all about Breonna Taylor. That's the truth. Like every time I'm there, I'm just like taking in a ton of Breonna Taylor content about what's going on locally. And like this week, of course, it's the um, Derby and how they're they're like expecting and and trying to figure out how to <clears throat> how to like 
combat all the protests that are going to happen at the Derby. Everywhere else, it's just like no one's talking about Breonna Taylor in the news. We don't hear shit. Um, but the local Louisville news is still on this hammer. Anyway, um, so they cut to they cut to Amy, and she's like in a in a field. It's raining. She's covered in water. She looks crazy. <laughs> And she's talking about, I don't even know what, out in Paducah. Uh, oh, I think she's literally was talking about that nuclear plant or something crazy about jobs and shit. Like, anyway. Um, but what Mitch McConnell said was wild. The clip they showed of him was him saying, I think uh, Amy not being here today, he said, I've never missed this dinner. And, you know, in whatever, however long he's been running, 30 some years. He said, and Amy not coming today just shows you how much the Democratic Party hates rural people. Right. Um, that's what he said. And and uh, he said, and I'm here to tell you, folks, there are no more centrists. There are no centrists. I used to work closely with Biden, with Joe Biden. We were friends. We were close. But he, I can assure you, that man is uh, ready to support the riots and looting in the streets. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> At a Kentucky Farm Bureau dinner, there's like 17 people in there. They're all spaced out wearing masks and suits. Every one of them, it's all men in suits. It's just so bizarre. Oh, well, he's right about one thing. But the Democratic Party does hate rural people. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. Well, do you guys want to... Um, do you want to listen to the Biden ad that they just put out today or yesterday? Please, God. <coughs> oh, God. About the yeah, protests and the riots? You got to check this out. You got to check this out. All right, let me set this up. I want to make it absolutely clear. Rioting is not protesting. Looting is not protesting. It's lawlessness, plain and simple. And those who do it should be prosecuted. Fires are burning and we have a president who fans the flames. He can't stop the violence because for years he's fomented it. But his failure to call on his own supporters to stop acting as an armed militia in this country shows how weak he is. Violence will not bring change. It'll only bring destruction. It's wrong in every way. If I were president, my language would be less divisive. I'd be looking to lower the temperature in this country, not raise it. Donald Trump is determined to instill fear in America because Donald Trump adds fuel to every fire. This is not who we are. I believe we'll be guided by the words of Pope John Paul II, words drawn from the scripture. Be not afraid. Oh, my God. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. What the fuck? Uh, yep, yeah, there you go. Pope John Paul II, huh? So I thought he was going to take a turn there and talk about polar bears. It's um, well, you know what's cra- uh, what's it, it, Terrence made the best point about it on Twitter. It's like there's two lines you can take on the demonstrations, and one is violent crackdown, a la Trump and the Republicans, or harness that injury that energy to try to to you know form some kind of movement or something. But Biden's taking the third route, right. which is... He's just scolding. Oh, he's not God, like... That's, you're, you, that's exactly what he's doing. Like, yeah, You could either harness the outrage and anger, which is all legitimate. You could say that we have rioting and looting because of decades of systemic racism, because we're in the middle of an unemployment and housing crisis because 
society is basically unraveling because it can't contain all of its many contradictions. You can say all these things, but it's what Biden is choosing to do is just scold the people and say they should be prosecuted for uh, rioting and looting. He's not trying to harness the anger in any way. And that's why I think, I mean, I really, you know, I was in Columbus this weekend and, and just driving around like, I didn't see very many Biden signs. I saw a lot of any functioning adult 2020 signs, and I saw a lot of uh, <laughs> Black Lives Matter signs. But I don't. I just don't think there's a lot of enthusiasm for Biden. And uh, I really felt this week like it's possible he will lose. But I go back and forth every single day, obviously. If he does lose, it'll be because of that. Because he can't actually harness any of the existing anger and outrage towards change yeah it's like he they instead i mean this is a this is a historic democratic bullshit but instead of talking about all the talking directly about all the things that people are experiencing right now like for God, a fucking pandemic i mean does he have an ad about this fucking pandemic he's got dr bronner's (laughs) Build back better disinfectant. Oh, God, that's right. <laughs> the bottle. Um, it, oh it's just, God. he's literally, they, instead of talking about what they are going to do, are able to do, are planning to do, they talk, they literally only address their haters. Like, whatever, whatever reply guy has said about them, whatever Trumper is in their fucking comments, that's who they talk to. Right. It's insanity. It's absolute fucking insanity. It's crazy. Yeah, it's um, the weird thing about Biden is Biden could Obama campaigned with a more left, more radical agenda yeah. than what he became as. Like Biden can't even do yeah. that. Biden is campaigning as this scolding, like a uh, functioning that's adult. It, that's <laughs> what I was thinking. Like you could, I mean, Barely. obviously, O Biden or <laughs> O Biden, obviously, Obama didn't. <laughs> do anything but he did campaign on a radical departure from the existing reality and biden can't even do that and and so that's what makes me think that he might lose because that doesn't inspire any actual you know it doesn't inspire anything in anybody and so there's low enthusiasm and there's then there's going to be low voter turnout and then trump will run away with it and it's pretty fucking comical to just like listen to all these uh, liberal pundits and people on on Twitter all day and, and on the news and on NPR or whatever just basically scold you and say another Trump administration is going to be uh, it's going to set us back 50 more years for the climate and all this and it's like well maybe pick a fucking candidate that people can actually get inspired about and that has yeah. that it that represents a radical departure from the way things are and Bernie was that candidate and they've made it clear that they're not going to commit themselves to anything like that, um, which is interesting. I, again, I, I keep coming back to that, but I keep coming back to that video that Obama made, which is like, if I was running in 2020, I'd be running Bernie's campaign. And what he means is like, ah, we, I would at least make empty rhetorical gestures <laughs> to change, which we can't even get that now. And so it makes me wonder if they really are playing to win. I really don't know. I mean, it makes you wonder. It's... It is hard to think. I mean, I think that they have the potential to raise more money. 
with Trump in office. And we we have we would have to be crazy to think that that's not what they're motivated right. by. That money's not what they're motivated by. You're right. Uh, it to, to me it feels like echoes of John Kerry 04. And you even see this with celebrities wearing the voter die shirts. It's like, I'll tell you, there is a correlation between running a uniquely piss-weak candidate against somebody deemed uniquely bad in a particularly, like, you know, uh, uniquely bad time. You know what I mean? So, when you got to get LeBron James on national TV wearing a voter die shirt... I mean, we should really drop T-shirts that say "Vote and Die" because voting is going to be a literal slaughterhouse. Well, that's what I want them to do. They they had no qualms about asking people to go out and vote like like during the primaries in the pandemic. Biden was against moving primaries. He was against it. Right. Yeah, because he knew that favored Bernie. Then he's now that he sold the nomination up, now he's trying to take the moral high road. <laughs> Jesus, man. Um. They've just well, made every blunder imaginable. Well, I mean, just to connect this to what we were talking about a minute ago, I mean, you've got Biden, you've got Mitch McConnell and Trump basically saying, you know, uh, or, or specifically McConnell saying, I used to work with Biden, you know, I used to respect him, I like him, and now he stands for rioting and all this, like protesting and all mm-hmm. this. And it's like, I don't know it's, it's been, the point has been made many times over the last couple of years, but like if they're gonna say that about you, why not lean into it? You know, like who fucking why not cares? Lean into like, it. You know, instead of becoming a reactionary, like your whole fuck that whole fucking ad you just played us is a response to Mitch McConnell and them saying stuff yeah. like that, which tells me two things: one, Mitch McConnell and them have a strategy to paint every centrist Democrat as fucking Vladimir Lenin. And just keep on going, keep on going, keep on going as just like this sort of way to set up this boogeyman thing that we're talking about. And the I Democrats don't know how to don't know how to deal with it. I think they're just totally set on raising a ton of money the next four years to run, you know, whatever dinosaur. And uh, they already have the script written to blame it on Bernie Bros. Well, yeah, what they're doing is they're bending over backwards to make themselves the new respectable Republican Party. It's like I was saying last week, like six very prominent conservative never-Trumpers who were fed up with Trump being mean and nasty, like, have managed to pull the entire party in their direction, the entire Democratic Party Mm -hmm. in their direction. And I was just thinking about the absurdity of that and, like, how funny it is that, like, Trump is bad, but, like, hasn't launched a war and killed millions of people and all this. You know what I mean? And I mean, like, he's done bad things, but, like, he's not any worse than Bush. And in some respects, Bush has a much, much higher body count than Trump does. But the Democrats are willing to make friends with Bush just because Trump is publicly not woke. Just because he's publicly a mean and nasty person. If he was privately a mean and nasty person, but publicly respectable and uh, put together and, and wasn't talking about raping people and all this, they'd be totally fine with it. But the fact that he does it publicly and it goes against their notion that like, to be a good political actor, you have to be a good person. And you, know, you have to make all the correct virtue signals and say all the correct woke things. Well, then that that's essentially why we can't have health care and into the virus and into the housing and jobs crises just because 
These fucking idiots <laughs> are very concerned about coming off to society as bad people. More yeah. or less. I don't know. Sick freaks. Uh, it was, I mean, it's kind of hard to be shocked anymore by political theater um, because it just feels like it's hit a wall. But I was pretty, pretty surprised to hear Trump telling a reporter that people are getting on planes, wearing all black. They have all these, all this stuff. They're flying around the country. <laughs> I, I love that he's like. There's six guys. There's six respectable guys. They're wearing suits. Like, it's just a classic Trump fiction. Everybody else on this plane's wearing black, folks. They're wearing black, and they're nasty guys. And there's all kinds of them in there. It's like, like Ed, Ed Tifa's got, like, a, you know, like a bunch of frequent flyer points built up, and they can send squads all over the country to fuck shit up. Well, I think you pointed this out, Tom, that they've constructed Antifa in the same way that they constructed Al-Qaeda. Like, Al-Qaeda was never really an institution i mean it was a loose assemblage of people but it wasn't like a 501c3 like wasn't like they had right there was no al-qaeda address with like osama bin laden as elected their president and there's a board right exactly uh, but they've i mean i don't know yeah even even in the fuck even a decade ago cat williams was making jokes about how the people that they've like demonized as insurgents and all this shit are just like motherfuckers in cowboy hats and flip-flops <laughs> these are just fucking people just trying to literally survive in the desert and it's just goddamn well it is it is crazy. i think i guess what we're going for what we're aiming at here is that like i don't know if Biden will win, lose, or whatever. But if he does lose, it will 100% be, be because they have bought into the image of themselves that the Republicans have created. And there's, yeah. no, there's nothing there to inspire enthusiasm. And I think even the libs know this. And it's why driving through some of those more liberal neighborhoods or whatever, you don't see very many Biden signs. It's because, like... He's an old, creepy guy. Like, what is the very first thing you remember about Biden before this race even began? That he was Creepy Joe. That he was, like, always putting his hands on people. And, like, and so that offends their, sens- Joe, yeah. that offends their sensibilities on that front. And then, like, and then there's all, you know, there's the crime bill. There's his, uh, you know, obviously decaying ability to shrink together two thoughts. All these things. There's just not even really enthusiasm among that crowd. And so... I just if he loses it'll be because of that. I have no idea what'll happen, but um there's one primary progenitor for all this and it's Barack Obama. Like Barack Obama runs the Democratic Party in the same way that Mitch McConnell runs it. And the idea of circling the wagons around Joe as opposed to Buttigieg cuz Buttigieg arguably it's 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 almost like you could see this played out in real time. Like, they were trying to give Buttigieg Iowa as a hedge to rat-fuck Bernie later, but then when Biden got the firm victory in South Carolina because of Jim Clyburn's fuckery, that seemed more solid than, like, Buttigieg's, like, questionable victory in Iowa. So, like, they were, like, faced with the choice. Who are we going to rat-fuck Bernie with? Is it going to be Buttigieg or is it going to be Biden? And they thought that, like, Biden was the safer choice in all that. And I think that was kind of an error, but I think what tilted it in Biden's direction more so than just the South Carolina thing 
was that Biden was the one that was willing to protect Obama's legacy on health care. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's why... That's why Obama went from, in 2000, at the first of 2019, he tells Joe Biden, Joe, you don't have to do this, to now he, like, you know, does the full-throated endorsement and, like, the weird video where he kind of throws shade at Biden a little bit by saying he would have ran Bernie's campaign. (laughs) Like, he's tacitly admitting, oh, this is not perfect, but this is what we're going to go with. And it's all tied up in protecting Obama's legacy. And then the other part to that is is you see what Obama did with the basketball players last yeah. week. Like, Barack Obama is single-handedly the biggest threat. Nobody wants to acknowledge this, but he's single-handedly the biggest threat just by virtue of his power and influence to any change in this country, which is a huge paradox from 2008. He's going to close Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, speaking about the NBA um, strike boycott political strike whatever you want to call it um speaking about that uh it was really funny that all these people like jumped down tom's throat or whatever for like you know offhandedly referring to it as a boycott or whatever and that like just within 48 hours the entire thing was completely done and they were back to just play Back to just play it. And like, All because of one guy. Yeah, and it was even funnier to see people just trying to gatekeep the whole thing and, and apply their own politics to it. Like, this is a general strike is coming. And then not only that, but to see people being like, people are going to see this and they're going to understand what it means to go on strike and they're going to go on strike <laughs> in their own workplaces. And then for, before we know it, the whole country's going to be on strike. And it's just like... <laughs> you have slow down, slow man. Down, man. <laughs> a lot can happen in a couple. We've of days. done none of the necessary legwork to ensure that that would be possible. Like, how do you make so, a whole? How do you make an economy that's seventy percent service industry go on strike? We don't know. We don't. I mean, like, it's really funny because I think a lot of leftists have this idea that America is still like the America of like nineteen ten. Of like heavily manufacturing yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. Fifty at the latest. <laughs> it's yeah. like we have a totally different economy. It's just like I, I don't know. It's just um, it's just like these romanticized. Most, o- most online leftists think most Americans still work in factories. <laughs> oh my god, it does feel though because of everything you just said. It does feel like if there's ever to be a like wave of labor power used, it's going to be triggered culturally you know what i mean like that's what people are plugged into <laughs> it's gonna be like a cultural trigger. that's what scares me <laughs> because we don't have because we don't have the organizing infrastructure and certainly not the labor organizing well when you're framing lebron james as vladimir lennon <laughs> for 24 hours <laughs> i mean man and i'm not saying I, I don't dislike lebron but i mean like man y'all were putting a lot on him <laughs> Imagine the specific hell we're going to be in in five years when, like, any kind of labor, organized labor, opposition, or whatever, has been relegated to the realm of culture wars. Where it is a virtue signal just to be like, me and my workers are not going to put up with bad working conditions anymore. And, And it has become, like, a cultural signifier if you're like, no, I love bad working conditions. I think it's good for society for me to be in dangerous, 
unsafe working conditions. <laughs> that's what. Well, that's the ethos behind like the rise and grind shit, right. man. Yeah. Like we've convinced so, a whole generation of like would be bootstrapper entrepreneur fucking whack offs that like actually there is virtue in suffering and then if you get lucky enough to beat that suffering there's virtue in immiserating other people to teach them a lesson so that they can then repeat your trajectory and rise and grind their way to you know yeah. a uh what do you call a business that you can just set it and forget it a well podcast. that's not a, a pyramid scheme podcast. that's not that's not new i mean that's the american dream that's the original fucking lie or whatever but um i say this so genuinely terrence that i am really inspired by your ability to see five years from now <laughs> <laughs> because i see no future <laughs> And and I'm literally looking into the tarot cards to find it. So like I cannot imagine five years from now. Can't even fathom it. Well, I can ima- I can sort of imagine it. I can imagine, you know, we're fucking gurgling fucking boiling seawater and we're trying to like stay afloat and we're calling out for Jay Z and Beyonce to save us from uh, it all. It'll know? be even more <laughs> bleak. It'll be like Stephen Miller on Dancing with the Stars. You know what I mean? Yeah, that kind of shit. It's, yeah, no, you're it's right. It's gonna be like, it's gonna be like, um, a police chief in, uh, some southern. It'll be like the Atlanta police chief or something like that, who has like hundreds of bodies on her hands or something like that, just being rehabilitated on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> Carol Baskin is going on Dancing with the Stars. I saw. I know that's night. that's what I mean. It's like, I saw that too, and it's just like. I love this country. It is so incredible. It's like if you do bad things, you're rewarded for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. It's it wouldn't surprise me at all. It's like Dancing with the Stars season twenty six, and you've got uh, both Jordan and Scott Peterson on there. Oh, One guy murdered his wife. The other guy fucking has eats an all meat diet with his daughter. <laughs> Talks about making your bed up while he lives like a slob. <laughs> Dancing out the meat sweats, man. Yeah. Oh um, well, so yeah, we got NBA fallout. We've covered the Biden protest speech. Um, what, one more thing I do want to say about the Biden thing before we get too far down the road about it is, is there is also this matter of the Republicans sort of, the Democrats sort of, Seeding the high ground on some key issues to the Republicans. Like, did y'all see this this week where the CDC suspended uh, evictions through 2021? Yeah. Like, the Democrats would have never no. done that. I mean, that is truly, that is truly like echoes of the Republicans let them walk out on a ledge with those fucking pandemic checks, and their first offer was, let's give everybody $250. And then they laughed and gave everybody twelve hundred. And then a first, like they just keep fucking stepping on rakes like that, in some key ways. And they don't understand that these fucking cretins can live with a lot of typically like robust social welfare state trappings, so long as they can keep doing what they're well, doing. What it is, I've been thinking a lot about this um, because I've really been fascinated with the moment right after they sent out the stimulus checks. And right after the CARES Act, I find it to be a really fascinating moment in American history because if you really examine it and like peel back all the many things that were happening, there was a solid month or so when everybody just 
went along i mean like we have been inundated for 40 years <clears throat> with this idea that government you know ever since reagan said the, the scariest words in american language in the english language are i'm from the government and i'm here to help you ever since <laughs> the reagan era we have been told that government can't do anything for you that it's that you know it, it, and both parties have fully you know internalized this but it was really right. surreal to see after this pandemic started and they started having to hand out stimulus checks and, and, and unemployment, everybody just suspend their belief in that. Like, I don't know how to articulate this, but essentially everybody was basically like, well, we can, the government can do things if things are really bad in like a pandemic, for example. So it's almost like the rules were suspended for a couple of weeks. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, right. it's it's like, yeah, it's the rules were suspended and everybody just went along with it. And where I'm going with that is that the Republicans are actually no longer afraid to just do new things. They may be scary right. on one hand or good on the other hand, you know, anarchist jurisdictions on one hand stimulus checks and eviction moratoriums on the other hand but they're no longer afraid to just do something that hasn't been done in at least 30 or 40 years whereas the and the democrats are terrified the democrats are absolutely terrified and that's why you're right tom they would not have done an eviction moratorium i i don't even know if they would have done a fucking stimulus handout and unemployment because they're so terrified of anything new of anything well, it's in a weird way, they have become, you know how like the Republicans for the longest time their line was, and it still is, but like their line was, well, let's just like leave this up to the market. Like the Democrats have transferred their ideas of innovation and doing new stuff, whatever that new stuff is, to the WeWorks and Ubers exactly. and like that kind of shit of the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they no longer, truly, they no longer believe that government can do anything for anybody. That's exactly right. That it has to happen, like, in, like, you know, tech. It has to happen, uh, you're exactly right, it has to happen under the guise of tech innovation. Um, yeah. Because to them, it's, yeah. like, politically neutral. And it's, uh, you know, it... it it plays on all of their notions of elitism and expertise and all of these ideas that they need to bolster their own sort of technocratic supremacy. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in that framework, really the Dems have done far more to destroy any potential labor organizing and labor movement than the Republicans because they... I mean, the Republicans would probably have us all still working in factories. They'd be fine with that. <laughs> and the Dems, <laughs> the Dems, are funneling support into these or into these fucking venture capitalist maniacs who aren't actually creating anything. Like they don't like uber running this huge transportation system with they don't own one car you know it's just like all of this like virtual they think innovation is like 
I mean, they see this as like fu- them making themselves futuristic. And no, that well, it's their, the, their new eight 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 is eight hours working for Amazon, delivering for Amazon, eight hours driving for Uber, then eight hours at home, like spent sleeping and playing on Facebook no, or Twitter. Eight hours at home with your Elon Musk Neuralink playing. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Well, you're eight hours at home. You need to be shopping. Yeah. Buying yeah, shit. That's true. You need You're to be buying. Shop, you have to be buying shit. That's yeah. the only way this works. It's true. Oh yeah. Um, and have you all? Do y'all have friends that have started whose kids have started school? Have y'all heard the horrors? Oh, of this my like, mom virtual school situation. My mom is is, she, is back in in person school. Like they're back in person. Oh God. My nephews are too, and they've already been like my nephews have been in school for two weeks, and they've already been sick home more than they've been in yeah. school. They didn't. They tested negative for COVID, but they're all still sick. I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> no. After talking with my mom, I'm 100% convinced that um, COVID cases will increase, but schools will just p- close down probably for like a week or two at a time and just disinfect the fuck out of the premises. You know, and, and then just put everybody back in, and they'll just keep doing this for maybe the next two years. It'll be one one this, week in person, two weeks distance, one week in person, two weeks distance. That, to me, is even worse for kids' learning and, and sense of routine than anything. <laughs> this yeah. sanitation theater is going to create some kind of super bug. Yeah that we can't get rid of that's exactly what it is like this is so fucking terrifying because it's like that it's not creating safety sanitizing everybody's washing their hands and hand sanitizing way more than they probably even should proportional to the threat when it's like we really just don't need to be in enclosed spaces with each other right now yeah yeah um but anyway the the virtual education stuff is is become like so crazy just i've heard like i have maybe at least a handful of friends whose kids are now doing these like virtual classrooms and the teachers like they've lost their minds like they are trying to control what is like the kids can't be like playing with a toy in their own home they can't have a blanket on them they can't be like eating a snack they've just like turned into fucking insane tyrants i mean i guess they're just like feel like because it's virtual they have to have like an extra grip on the like i don't know i mean in order to i mean i guess you do whatever teachers are wild and and having a hard fucking time i'm sure right now but like especially the old school teachers who are like nearing retirement are like so over this shit already and now are having to figure out zoom and they're like just pissed and they're literally just like are you eating a gummy what the fuck are you doing like get that blanket off that motherfucker like it's just crazy people like i see people tweet about like kids smoking blunts in their classroom (laughs) (laughs) Which rules? Hell, when I was yeah. in high school, kids just did that anyways, and they'd like blow the smoke into their backpack, and the whole room would just smell like fucking butt. <laughs> <laughs> now, at, here in Whitesburg, um, I love it because if you walk by the middle school football field every day, they're out there just huddled up, you know, playing. They're they're you know playing football. We got to have our football, folks. We will have it. No matter, they're not even doing like college football, and like high schools and middle schools are still fucking playing because we got to teach those kids yeah. some uh, good American values, like beating the shit out of the, each other and getting CTE. Yeah, we are 
desperate for brain damage and uh, <laughs> and COVID nineteen. motherfuckers. I have to tell y'all. I saw. I wished like hell. I would have screenshotted it, but it got taken down as soon as I fucking saw it. But this guy I went to high school with, who went on to become a male nurse, which is funny because he's exactly the type of guy that would have called a male nurse like a faggot or something, like in high school. <laughs> but like he put this thing, and like, I guess he's like might be like trying to teach, like or coach football, like middle school football or something. And he put up screenshots from 300, the movie 300. And you know the scene where they talk about the agogi where the Spartan kids would learn how to be warriors or whatever? He put up those screenshots and then the screenshots of like Leonidas fighting his son or whatever it was. And was like, and was like using that as an excuse for why the boys got to go play in the fall. I really do believe the thesis that 300 was the first document of the alt-right. It gave it gave rise to it <laughs> absolutely. Um, people love that shit. Um, I mean, the, like, Sparta has been the <laughs> I feel like blueprint for every fascist regime. I mean, it was like the blueprint for Nazi Germany in many ways. Uh, it's uh, but this is like you know these are the values we have to teach our kids no matter what's going on no matter if we're spreading the disease anymore or if they themselves might get sick and die we have to preserve good old-fashioned american values no matter what the cost and uh and um and we're gonna do that speaking of I've, I've been wanting to tell you this, Terrence, because uh, another thing I heard on the radio that was so depressing in your driveway, and it's very your beat. You may have already heard. But uh, Andy Brashear just announced millions of dollars coming from the ARC into eastern Kentucky. <laughs> Care to guess what for? Let's see. Uh, App Harvest? Was Martha Seward and J.D. Vance connected in some way? <laughs> No, no, but close. Um, uh, what I what I caught on the radio, or you want to keep? Guessing? Uh, let me see. Um, so it was. I'll give you three tries. One, okay, that's okay, out. Okay, so it wasn't One. sustainable food systems. No, I don't. I didn't hear okay. that. Um, could I mean I could have missed it, but that's not the that's not one that uh, I heard. So I guess then the next one would be, co- teaching people how to code. Um, <laughs> no. No, it's uh, it's even worse than these. <laughs> it's literally even worse. It's the bottom barrel Appalachian transition thing. Absolutely, is, bottom is of the barrel. Is it for an ATV sh- park slash shooting range? One more <laughs> level down. Oh. One more level down from that. <laughs> what is it? What's one level down from that? Elk, elk viewing. <laughs> Elk viewing, an elk viewing park that will fully employ its millions of dollars. This one's like, I don't even know, like like 700,000 something. And I don't know. And the other one's like half a million. Elk viewing to fully employ five people (laughs) uh, and and bring tons of tourists. We're in a fucking pandemic. Yeah. Who the fuck is coming to Eastern Kentucky? We're in a fucking pandemic. (laughs) Let's all hey, let's all go stand six feet apart and look at these invasive fucking cows with horns that are that, that nobody wants here because they have no natural to, predators. They're literally gonna have to fly more elk in. They're 
are literally gonna have to fly more elk in for the elk viewing. Okay, elk viewing, and the other one is drum roll, please. An industrial park. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. So Now that is the bottom Another row. industrial park. How many industrial parks are sitting empty and dusty in this motherfucker within a 100-mile radius from here? Please tell um, me. Within, uh, within a 100-mile radius from Whitesburg, there's got to be at least two dozen. At the very least. Oh, yeah. Easy. At the very least. Yeah. Just empty, dusty industrial <laughs> parks. I've never seen along, one along useful. 15 never. from Whitesburg to Lexington, I can name you at least four. Uh-huh. Now, what they're going to start doing, once they figure out that people don't want to come view elk, they're going to start sending all of the captured Antifa terrorists to the to those parks in eastern kentucky and you can either view them or hunt them one of the two they'll, they'll allow <laughs> yeah. you to hunt the antifa big game it, i mean this does like i mean i think probably the first person who said this was our favorite eugenicist um uh harry Cottle. And this motherfucker, like, famously told, taught in his UK classes that one day Eastern Kentucky would be a lake. All, they would dam up the entire <laughs> fucking place for people in Lexington to boat in. Um, and then whatever was left that wasn't, whatever was too high to go under a lake would be Ferris wheels and shit. <laughs> so, like, maybe that's the only five-year future I can see is, like, any bottom land being, like, covered up <laughs> with the lake water we and all, all get the houseboats that'd be kind of tight though <laughs> yeah we all get we all get houseboats it's just trailers with buoys oh. trailers <laughs> with like a thousand milk jugs attached yeah, to yeah, them yeah. <laughs> it'll be and then yeah every mountain every mountaintop has uh, a big eye the eye of london it has like a big ferris wheel right. on it so you can see as far as the eye can it'll see it'll be hey, welcome to Welcome to the Anarchist Jurisdictions number 606. Um, and you can hunt Antifa terrorists, and later that night you can relax by watching Jim Justice on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> <laughs> and the three of us will okay, be... Can you imagine Jim Justice on Jim Dancing with the fucking Stars? <laughs> the three of us will be working a Ferris wheel in, in overall. Hey... Speaking I'm going to be running a snow cone booth, baby. I'm going to do one of those fucking janky-ass uh, lemonade stands with cotton candy. <laughs> or maybe the rabbits or goldfish, like on the little ring toss. No, Can't wait. I like the one where you shoot, um, you know, you shoot the water, you spray the water thing at the little other thing. <laughs> and you win a goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> you win a goldfish, right. <laughs> but but you win, instead you win a massive... Eastern Kentucky North Fork carp. <laughs> like a, a two-foot-long <laughs> yeah, carp. Yeah. Not, hey, <laughs> hey let, let me give y'all a little piece of recommended viewing for this weekend, if you want it. It's on HBO Max, I think, and it's called Class Action Park. Ah, it's about this cra crazy-ass water park in New Jersey that was opening like, from 1980 to like 96, I think. It, they shut it down. But go watch that shit. It is incredible. I've heard about this. I, um, <laughs> well, I was, my other topic I wanted to bring up before I have to hop off here for my next four hour fucking conference uh, is that the New York Times is dropping a Brianna Taylor documentary tomorrow. Really? 
Did you see no. this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We are getting a New York Times documentary on Hulu about Breonna Taylor before we've heard one update yeah. <laughs> from the Commonwealth attorney. He hasn't said anything. There is this weird Breonna Taylor cottage industry that's popping up, and it is fucking it bizarre. It is very bizarre. Dark. They had a Breonna con. Breonna con. What the fuck? What do you think? Okay, so, like, what do you think is behind this? Why? Why do you think... Well, there's like a few national orgs that I, and I think it really is like what we're talking about, like the crux of like social justice theater and uh, celebrities that has like literally moved in a headquarters into Louisville. And I mean, we should get someone from Louisville on to talk about it. Um, and maybe they're doing some good. I don't know. I'm sure like people in Louisville were trying to work with them and figure it out. But now it's like they figure out they get like g- boots on the ground, like some military shit, and they figure out how to leverage the local situation for celebrities, so celebrities can like help. I'm I'm telling you, this is true. Like this is it's a it is a cottage industry. It's like how do we plug celebrities into um, what you're trying to do here locally? What, I mean, what do you think? So you could lump all of this in under the larger sort of concept, like what Tom was saying, of a sort of Breonna Taylor cottage industry. Why this specific death? I mean, what what do you think it is about it that has turned it into this meme, this simultaneous um, uh, opportunity for both nonprofits and celebrities? Like, what what is it about this one specifically? I wonder. I I have a theory about it, and the theory about it is, and and when I say this, I don't mean that like. Brianna was a cop, blah, 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 blah. I don't mean that at all. What I mean is that, like, it's a lot more palatable to a certain white liberal worldview that Brianna Taylor, who was did things the right way and wasn't somebody that shoplifted or whatever other, you know, bad thing they've said about Michael Brown or whoever else, that, like, it's easier for them to key on her, they think, in their mind, by their calculation, that, like, there's something more... Um, because, you know, she was, quote-unquote, did things the, the right way or whatever, that, like, there's something something more to her humanity than, say, somebody that... Uh, Shoplifted or... Had a record or whatever, whatever else. Knowing. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I don't want to belittle the, like, local organizing around her because there's a lot of incredible... I mean, they've steadily held an encampment yeah for well that's separate six months exactly exactly but but i was about to say and so some of that maybe is like some local some some of the local organizing being successful but i also think it's an aesthetic thing that she's a like uh beautiful curvy black woman which people love to consume in entertainment like people love to see black women on tv they don't want to talk to them in public they don't want to be nice to them. They don't want to interact with them. Um, but they are like this, you know, black women are like this um, ornamental thing that people like to see. And so I think there's an aesthetic thing that they, because the Brianna Con was like a beauty. It was like they were selling beauty products. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's bleak. I think. It's so I bleak. Think it, and the people, like, people were roasting on them in the comments. Like, th- this is not a hot take. Like, even plenty of people in louisville i saw were just like y'all are fucking insane this is 
sick. <laughs> I think another part of it is it's those things combined with the fact that she was killed in a gentrification project or effort and 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 so that brings up a contradiction that the liberals you know can't work around it 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 mirrors right. back to them their own complicity in it and so yes and and then i think all of that runs in to the reality that uh of political sort of impotence or 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 the reality that nothing is going to be done about it i mean None of the officers, or maybe was one of the officers, like, fired or slapped on the wrist? No, I mean, nothing is happening. Yeah, one was fired, he, I think. He was fired for uh, sexual misconduct. Like, I'm just... Not because of Brianna. I'm just one... Oh, so he just happened to be part of oh. that, but it was something else that he got fired for. Yeah, I'm pretty I sure. Mean, I just um, think there's something about this specific moment that makes this into a meme rather than, say, Sandra Bland. You know what I mean? Like yeah. yeah, exactly. Like yeah, like what was it about Sandra Bland too? That, that yeah. Well, they also like the like they they still maintain that she killed herself. Like yeah. they have a whole storyline behind it. Like <laughs> Brianna was fucking. Uh, what's the even? Word? Yeah, you're right because she also it was like execution style. She was, she was executed in her in bed. her own house. Yeah, but so but so was Botham John too. Right. Right. Anyway, um, I, while we're on this, I have to hop off here, but um, did you all see that this week it was released that one of her ex-boyfriends, not the, not the guy she was with, um, I forget his name, but one of her ex-boyfriends was offered a plea deal to get out of a 10-year drug sentence. Y'all didn't see no. this? Mm-mm. This week, two days ago, maybe. It happened when I was in Louisville because I saw it on the local news. Um, one of her ex-boyfriends was offered a plea deal back in July. That's, it's just come out, though. He, he was arrested on a bunch of drug charges that happened back when he was with her. And they offered him a plea deal for no time versus 10 years if he would say that she was involved. Oh, my God. Cops are fucking criminals, man. They are delaying this. They are going to delay this until they figure out a way to demonize her. Yeah. Or, they can, until, or they can pay somebody off to say she was complicit in it or something. Somebody yep. that will take the bag, yeah. Yep. Like they, we are, we have not seen the end of this. It happened. I, I'm pretty sure the plea deal happened in in July, like the that. And so it's like now we're hearing things two months later. Like they're keeping. How did they keep a wrap on that? Do you know what I mean? That's insane. Yeah. So it's untelling what's what's going to continue to unravel. Like this is crazy. Which tomorrow this, I mean, Hulu is dropping a fucking documentary about her tomorrow. That, that the New York Times created, which we cannot trust with any story. Well, I mean I, I, I mean, I'll say this. It's like when we let Nike co-op, like Colin Kaepernick's protests and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not against Kaepernick getting paid or whatever. My, that's not what I'm saying. But, like, there is money to be made in activism now Absolutely. as, like, an aesthetic choice. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? And you're seeing that in the Breonna Taylor cottage issue. You got motherfuckers. I saw GQ run an article about the ethics of selling Breonna Taylor like merch. Jeez. Like that's wild to me. GQ. Well, that's even like a like you know. The, he, I mean, once you actually fuse this though with a class politics, that's when Nike and GQ and everybody will get off board. They want nothing to do with how this is related to class. And that's how you. Well, know. the GQ thing was 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 said that. Now, I didn't mean to make it sound like they were like Nike. I just mean they were saying that it was fucked up. Oh, I see. I see. Even the like. Like I the, mean, in the article, yeah. 
That's then they won't touch the gentrification stuff because of that reason. Well, I mean, I don't know. They didn't get really get into that. It's closed magazine. <laughs> well, um, before you go, Tanya, can we do a clap just so I can get everybody's audio synced up? Well, just one more thing I want to show y'all before we go. Look what I found while I was digging for a set of headphones. The Melungeon Heritage oh my Association. God. <laughs> Where the fuck is this? Is this what you're? Call, is this the call you're going to, Tanya? The Melungeon Heritage Association. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It says their tagline is celebrating the richness of culture and the diversity of heritage that is Appalachia. Oh my God. <laughs> Dude, it's really funny. Like, Appalachian studies in the 80s, in the late 70s and 80s, if you go back and read some of those journals, they had to take the Melungeon thing seriously. Um, it, it was just eugenics. Yeah, Great I science. Mean, I mean. Dude, I, I saw some... I, maybe it was a joke, and I just didn't get it. That's totally possible, because I'm a dumbass. But I feel like I saw some Melungeon stands on Twitter recently. I'd love to. I'd love to roast them. I guarantee I like, you what? there's a woke defense of it. I, I guarantee you if you look long enough, there's someone out there who was going to cancel us for saying something derisive about uh, Melungeon race science. <laughs> because there is a horseshoe theory even, of even though Even though the Melungeon thing is just providing cover for white people to say that they're not part black not, dude, that, <laughs> is all it well, is yeah no. exactly i mean i mean william isom said this recently at one of we brought him here for our fucking mlk day thing a few years ago and he was like i got bad news for you folks your cherokee princess mamaw was actually black <laughs> she was uh probably basically enslaved yeah now people it's just a fucking yeah, people have had this idea so beaten into them at this point that they have to be able to have a scientific genetic explanation for this stuff like and that's the horseshoe theory of wokeness it's you know it's why you've now started seeing stuff like amplified melanated voices it's like people are just reduced to their genetics it's like the darkest thing ever 23 and me baby well thanks so much we'll see you later tanya thank you go to the patreon Go to the Patreon. Um, please support us on the Patreon. Uh, we had a good episode. We've had two good episodes. We've had a lot of good Patreon episodes lately. But last week we talked about the NBA strike. The week before that we talked about... Um, we had a Profiles in Courage. A really good one. The Spear. John Murray Spear. Um, so if spiritualism interests you at all, go check that out. Uh, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Trillbilly Workers Party. Give us $5 a month. And Tom, are you still selling shirts? Yeah, we're still. I'm going to run the pre-sales on the shirts through Labor Day. So get them before Tuesday. All right. Is there a website that they can go to? to Trillbilly Workers Party dot com dot big cartel dot com. Alrighty. Well, if you'd like to to throw us your support, go to Patreon, go to Big Cartel, um, wear your shirt in public, wear your shirt to your grandparents' house, have them ask you awkward questions about what a trailbilly is, um, and uh, and yeah, thank you so much for listening. And I guess uh, is that it, guys? That's it. That's it. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. <laughs>